filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. gentle way to put this you're looking more and more every single week uh like rasputin <laughs> rasputin uh, you I, have I, you have a you bought a robe recently uh i believe he I, was a, a, a robe, robe guy as well. birthday yes your your beard is getting uh rasputin-esque uh and is, now you, you have what appears to be some sort of uh man bun going on which i feel like he probably had to use from time to time it's at least, folks. It's at least not a top knot yet, uh, but it is a man bun. I I can confirm all of these. I don't know if my, I don't know if I have enough of angry Joe Willis in my eyes to go full Rasputin. Because um, I feel like the have the crazed survived, look in his eyes. Have you survived multiple attempts to kill you? Uh, I have two children. So okay. yes. <laughs> okay. That's a that's a a real red flag as far as you might be Rasputin. Um, uh, they have not been intentional. I don't know if you know. They haven't been intentional attempts on my life, but oh, they okay. have been the circumstantial okay. plays on my life. I would say they haven't tried to roll you up in a carpet and throw you off a bridge. Uh, no, no, they okay. haven't. Not yet. And haven't I, Adam? Haven't I also seen on on social media that you you are inflicting your hairstyle upon one of your children? I'm not inflicting anything. My three-year-old refuses to get his hair cut. Uh, and he, he has very blonde hair, and it, it has grown somewhat faster in the back than, than in the front. And he's got a very strong Garth look going right now from Wayne's <laughs> World. Um, and I got a video of him saying in his little three-year-old voice, Potty on, Wayne! Uh, Today. So are you saying are you saying so that he's pretty happy about business that. in the front and no, party in the back? No, it's, no, it's, it's not long it's not it's not a mullet. It's long everywhere. It's just longer in the back because he hasn't gotten a haircut since lockdown. And I haven't gotten a haircut since lockdown uh almost a year ago. So Adam, Adam, you know that you can buy scissors and and shavers on the internet and, and yeah, like I actually do did, it to yourself. I did buy clippers. Uh, and, and, uh, my three-year-old actually agreed to, to let us use them on him. And then he, he backtracked. He, he no, likes the long hair. No, no, what we need is your three-year-old to use the clippers on you. Well, how much no, money can we raise for charity? And I'll think about that. That seems like a great St. Baldrick's, uh, fundraiser. Yeah. Just let sure. red, just go to town on your face and head. If we get pledges for five grand, I'm in. I will. I will let my kids take a sh- a, a a buzz cut to to my yes. luscious. And then, then you can just go full like shave just, everywhere. Solid guard on we there. Need, we we don't... need the interstitial pictures. Yes, but just make sure there's a solid guard on there. We, we don't want this to turn into a, again going back to Rasputin an attempt on your life because those guards. <laughs> Without a guard, you could end up with some real, real severe head bleeding. Um, yeah, I, I prefer to raise money for charity and not have my initials in Twitter bios. So, um, yeah, go. gonna, gonna keep it that. Uh, yeah, if if we do this, there'll be a guard. But yeah, if you if you're interested in donating money to you know cure children's cancer, I can shave my head for that. So listeners, come through. Let's maybe we'll set this up. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, welcome in. It's filibuster, the black and red United, and Adam's personal grooming habits podcast. I am Adam. I do have a large beard and a man bun right now. Um, I'm joined as always by the more clean shaven and shorter haired Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com where we talk about DC United, and that's what we're talking about on this here episode. In the first segment, we have lots of news and rumors and what have you to to 
talk about. And then uh, in the second segment, we will have DC United midfielder Russell Knauss on the show to talk about the upcoming season and the very eventful, if also very long off season that we are uh, slowly coming to the end of. Before we do anything, though, Benjamin, what are you drinking tonight? I am going with a a Ricky-esque beverage. It was over 60 today in Richmond, Virginia. So I'm like, we're, I'm just grabbing spring where I can find it. Just and so I just did. Uh, and ran outside. I mean, we Christy and I did go for a run outside. I, I had a shirt on uh, while doing so. But um, yeah, I did uh, truly soda water. We do that instead of LaCroix in this house. Uh, vodka and lime juice. Okay, so that's a gimlet almost with the vodka yeah. instead of the the lime and no rind oh. whoever does rind i don't have any time to to to, to squeeze a, a lime and just drop it no you just drop in half the lime after you juice it no I, I put i put bottom shelf lime in it i put lime oh, juice okay in it. Oh. okay you're not you're not using top shelf lime juice <laughs> no <laughs> okay all right jason what are you drinking uh, well, I did use some top shelf lime juice from limes. Um, <laughs> that's where it comes from. It, that's it's a little known fact about lime juice is that you have to get some limes to get it uh, one way or another. Um, you're gonna have to get some. Someone at some point is gonna have to deal with some limes if if there's yeah, gonna be I'm lime just, juice. I'm just a couple steps further removed from the yeah. limes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I I don't know. I I kind of felt like at dinner having a soda, and I was like, I'll save it. I'll make a mixed drink out of it. I'll I'll kill two birds with one stone, possibly literally, since uh, I'm adding alcohol to soda, which is not great for your health. Uh, but I, I feel better about it. So I, I made like a classic Cuba Libre. Um, so a rum and coke with lime juice. Um, I probably should have put more lime juice in now that I'm drinking it, just to cut. I'm not used to the soda and rum sweetness is the thing. Um, so I really should have been more aggressive full, with my lime juice. Is it full sugar? Uh coca-cola it is mm, if i'm gonna yes. if i'm gonna do a soda i i'm gonna do the the real the real deal um which is also like not the best for your health uh to, <laughs> to commit to it so whole hog but also like my favorite soda of all time is mountain dew code red um which is like the mount everest yeah. of sodas. you are uh, I, a millennial who graduated within a couple graduated high school within a couple of years of the years 2000. That is what I mean. I, yeah, I graduated in 2004 and I also have fond, so was, fond memories of Mountain Dew Code Red. Uh, yeah, Code Red came out when I was a sophomore in college. Um, I distinctly remember that was the first access I had to it, and it would have been better for me if it had been like withheld uh, on campus. <laughs> like if, they didn't sell it at the – you couldn't get it at the dining hall, but you could get it at the, oh. like, we had a campus convenience store. You could get it there. Gentlemen. And I spent a lot of money off my uh, – On, on campus art. Taco Bell. Gentlemen, I, I know th- I'm just elongating the initial segment, but I, I, have, I have terrible news. There is a Mountain Dew wiki. There's, like, n- like not just what on a, Wikipedia. I mean, every fandom has a wiki. It's Mountain Dew. I would, I would count Mountain Dew as a fandom. Yeah, and, and there is a very well researched article about Mountain Dew Code Red. Apparently, it was Code Rouge in Canada. Nice. Yeah. That sounds exciting. Um, I was treating it as if I was trying a new thing rather than drinking Code Red again. <laughs> and it, um, it Mountain Dew's overall sales by six percent in its first year. It was big. I remember it being it a very exciting uh, product release. Good for that brand. Uh, congratulations to them for their riches um and also if you're the overall like pepsico slash uh yum brands fast food conglomerate um can you guys start to put uh code red at taco bell please like i enjoy your baja blast product when i go to taco bell but i would prefer code red Um, code red is canonically a taco bell beverage uh for me because in college i i think that's they had it at the taco bell yeah. It was it was two liters at Walmart and uh, in the fountain at Taco Bell is where I associate Code Red because I I don't drink soda. Um, it's, I mean, it's sweetened a good beverages idea. generally. Yeah. It's bad for point. all of your body parts. Um, yeah. Uh, 
strong rye is probably not great for your body parts either, but it's delicious. And I, I restocked my bar somewhat this weekend and have one uh, eight distillings district rye and I'm drinking it neat and it's wonderful and I love it. Um, and I love DC United. So let's talk about that. Uh, lots of news and rumors to discuss, as I mentioned, good news right off the top. Donovan Pines, homegrown center back, is on the United States preliminary Olympic qualifying roster. It's a U23 roster once they, assuming they qualify for the Olympics, which in recent history has not been a solid assumption for the United States. Uh, right, they- if they do qualify, if it, they do qualify though, they get three overage players. During qualifying, however, um, it's strictly under 23. Uh, it's essentially the CONCACAF under 23 championships. And then um, I'm not even, even sure how many teams qualify. But uh, hopefully the United States is actually one of them this year. And Donovan Pines will hopefully make the team and help them do that. Yeah, because I think what was the, I think what, the last cycle they were tipped to uh, cruise to qualification and then they just uh, crashed out. And I think it's been a while since they've actually made the uh, the Olympic tournament. I, th- uh, I think it's been at least two cycles. Jason would probably know uh, specifically, uh, but it's been a while since they've made it and yes i hope donovan pines makes the team starts and leads them to a uh birth in the olympics but it's not it's not guaranteed in any way no. and, uh and was beijing the last one was 2008 the last time the u.s made the u.s men maybe qualified for the olympics i think that it was beijing surprise me um it might be because the you know the famous um El Salvador game, infamous El Salvador game was with um, this is where the Bill Hamid Sean Johnson thing really got going the fact mm-hmm. that Johnson got the nod in that game, then gave up a terrible goal, then got injured uh, and Hamid came in and then the rest of the team uh, further ahead uh, struggled pretty badly uh, and they ended up losing that game um, and that was you know, Bill wasn't even a professional in 2008 when uh, the Beijing Olympics was so it might be that long. Um, it is. I'm looking at Wikipedia, and okay. yes, 2008 was the last time they qualified. Um, yeah. So, you know, Ben's right. It's not as much as it should be uh, something that U.S. soccer should be able to accomplish very easily. It hasn't been um, for them for a while. Now, you know, that said, this is a more talented crop of players. Um, the pool here is deeper. Um there's a reason you're seeing a little more talk about it. It's just that U.S. soccer, you know, we went through that blank period uh, at the national team level. There's a lot of not very good, not not national team caliber players in that sort of late 20s range. Um, but this group coming up behind them uh, is much better. And uh, I'm glad to see that Pines is in the mix because there was that um, there was a U23 roster late last year where he wasn't initially called in and then was added um, after someone else picked up a knock, um, I felt like he should have been called in from the start, but it is a deep group of defenders. So, um, it's not like he was getting overlooked for someone where you're like, well, that guy is clearly just not as good as him. It's a bunch of guys who are his peers. So there's a, a ferocious amount of competition, um, in that group to be, you know, it is a Jason Christ coach team, which is a bullet that maybe mm. we dodged. Um, if, right. if we go far back in the coaching hire thing. Um, and so that's, that's its own issue. Um, but yeah, uh, I think Pines absolutely merits his place in there. Um, in with some of the other guys that are in there, you know, Mark McKenzie gets a ton of the attention for a good reason. Um, but I, I, I feel like last year uh, with Pines, I think looking back now that we're removed from it a little bit, I think there were games where he played well and maybe made one mistake. And the mistake is what lingers. And so 2020 uh, felt maybe like he didn't progress as much in 2020. Like while we were stuck in it, it felt to me like maybe he wasn't progressing as much as I wanted him to. But with the benefit of some hindsight and some emotional removal from the just generally dour DC United 2020 season, um, I think maybe it's a it, it was a better year than we thought. I think there's some data out there pointing to it being a step uh, forward for him. Um, and this, you know, making this Olympic preliminary roster, that's another step in the right direction. I, I hope he 
you know, uses the fact that there's real competition for spots there. This is not a situation where it's a sure thing that he gets in. Um, and, but it's also not a sure thing that he isn't a starter. Like the range there could be starts for the Olympic team or doesn't make the roster, um, and anywhere in between. So that competition at this time of the year is probably very good. Um, and it's worth noting some of the players on the preliminary roster are, I think the, the qualifying is not during the summer. It is during the, the actual season yes. and European clubs traditionally are pretty reluctant to release players if they are anywhere near their plans. Because they do not have to. Because they don't have to. It's not, it's a, it's not an official FIFA competition window. And so they don't have to. MLS usually plays ball there. And that actually, this is where Donovan Pines' inclusion could hurt DC United a little bit. Uh, we're very excited for, for Pines, but it means United wouldn't have him for part of what is going to be an incredibly congested season. And they're already short at center back. Um, whether we play two back or, or three back, um, the team is going to be hard up for, for bodies um, all year, especially playing a demanding style like it, like Losada has said that he, he wants to play. So having him out, having him unavailable to the team for a while is, is a knock-on effect here. I think it's worth it. Um, I think Ben Olsen talked about this a lot last time around for, for qualifying. He loves having, he loved having his players in Olympic qualifying because he remembers how big the Olympics were for his career. Um, he, he credited the Olympics with helping his move to, to Nottingham forest and boosting him, uh, boosting his performance and just showing him he can play at that level and can progress even further than he had already. Um, and so hopefully Pines has a similar experience and can can fight through the the competition for spots, get on the field, get to the Olympics and and do a good job there. That'd be awesome to see yeah. um, whatever it means for for DC United. Uh, I think it's definitely worth it. Uh, and, and, you know, it's it's always something to be proud of when, you know, your players and especially homegrowns advance and represent the country. Yeah. And also DC United should sign enough players that missing one uh recent college grad should not uh ma- materially affect their season hey ben thanks for that segue uh dc united is reportedly pursuing on a different uh well we'll, we'll, we'll keep it in the defense uh steven goff of the washington post is reporting that dc united are in talks with 26 year old center back uh brendan hines ike who can also play fullback uh of course Ray in the belgian top flight he's a Creighton product who who went overseas in 2016, uh, 6'1", center back, so he's got got the size there. Uh, 114 appearances, I think, in the Swedish and Belgian top flights since he went over there in 2016. Um, but he he's in talks to to come back to um, to play in MLS for the first time and to do so with DC United. Yeah, it's it's uh it's the kind of move that you're going to see MLS teams make um, looking for guys that have been based abroad who are available uh, from, from what I believe is the reporting is that he would be available on a free transfer um, or is a free agent, one of the two. Um, and he doesn't take up an international spot. He's the right age. Um, he's got the right experience level. Um, Sweden is not, as good as MLS, uh, especially we're not talking about mm-hmm. a Malmo. We're talking Orebro, which is a you know one of the teams that usually tries to fight to make sure they stay up. Um, and then uh, I'll give Adam credit for looking up the pronunci- pronunciation of Cortre before I say it. Um, they, it is not an obvious pronunciation. <laughs> no, there is a K at the end of that word, and we're talking about a silent K to close out a word, which I have not encountered very often in my lifetime. Uh, but then again, I, I haven't uh, encountered too much uh, in any Belgian dialect, uh, any of the possible dialects you could have. So, but yeah, um, they, you know, this is someone that obviously has been scouted by Ernan Lozada and Nicolas Frutos, uh, who appears to be the top assistant now. Um, and they have a I would assume a pretty good handle on his level of play, his ability to adapt to what they want to do. 
um, which is kind of a big deal because, you know, what we're used to seeing DC's existing defenders do is a very different style, um, regardless of formation. It's just this is a more high-risk way of playing, and therefore you need players who are adapted to it. Um, I, I haven't, I mean, I haven't seen Portray or Orebro play, so I can't tell you if he is going to walk in and be, you know, the third starter in a back three or if he's a depth signing. But if we're talking about a player who's got this European experience, he's at the the right age, he can play a few different roles, um, and the coaching staff thinks he's up to the job, then, you know, I'm interested. I would rather do that than sign a player who is maybe in MLS but is used to playing a more – common DC or not DC and I, but common MLS style um, where you're right. talking mid block, maybe uh, even low block, you know, there are, those guys are floating around. Um, they're, they're every MLS team, every offseason probably picks up one of those players. DC kind of picked up an attacking version of that when they got Adrian Perez um, from the, uh, was that the re-entry draft? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, I think I would prefer someone who the coaching staff is like, yeah, we've seen him play a bunch abroad and we know that he can adapt to what we want to do or we're confident to what we want to do. Um, I'll take that over a player who has the MLS experience but maybe doesn't have the system experience or something approximating the system. Yeah, I was uh, just thinking, like, if he had just had Sweden experience, I would feel a lot different about this uh, signing. But the fact that he made the uh, jump from Sweden to Belgium, and Belgium is definitely a better league than Sweden, I I would guesstimate it's probably a slightly better league, not slightly to moderately better league than MLS, um, especially. Given, I mean, it's obviously a, a springboard, but uh, yeah, it depends on where we're talking. There's a wide range there. Like, if you're Andrew, yeah, 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 yeah. probably win MLS yeah. Cup, but if you're Cortray, you might not make the playoffs, right? Right, but uh, at least the fact that he was able to make a solid move up from Sweden gives me a lot more confidence than uh, if he had just uh, come to gone to Sweden and then was coming back to MLS in 2021. Uh, there was a lot of value in m- moving to Sweden, then coming back, uh, uh, in the MLS 1.0 years, but, and there's, there still can be value in going there and, and trying to elevate your profile in Europe after that. But I don't want to be signing players from the Swedish league for, DC United right. at this yeah. point, it, unless it's like the best player in that right. league. It, like if we think of Anton Tinnerholm coming from Malmo, who were making the Champions League every year, and he yeah. was Swedish defender of the year, and he came to MLS and turned out to be probably the best right back in the league. That's interesting. Right. But Orebro is not Malmo. Um, right. And so, and I, I think Malmo, I think I'm close to saying correctly. Orebro, I'm pretty sure I'm not saying correctly. I think there's <laughs> that I'm just pretending isn't there, so apologies to them. But Do, um, do, do you want to take a swing at Jonskoping, uh, whatever their second uh, word in that Jonskoping club is? Uh, yeah, there you go. I think it might have been Sudra, um, because there's an umlaut there as well. Um, it's an umlaut, not not All, all, t- all teams that DC United have played in, in pre-seasons yeah. past. Um, but I, I, one thing I will throw out there, because people, you know, we're all obviously excited about the offseason. We want to know more about these guys. Um, if you're looking up Heinz Ike's super draft status, because he was picked in 2016, but he was picked in the third round. And my memory of the draft day buzz from that was that it was kind of a known quantity that he was looking to go to Europe. And so he fell. Um, and because Creighton is a pretty, a pretty, respected college program he was a big part of what they were doing and I think he was a player that would have gone earlier if it was a situation where people knew that he was going to be an MLS but I think he had made it clear he's like I'm I'm going to go pursue this European contract it's already been offered to me um I think he was picked by Montreal is that right Montreal the the uh former and in my opinion still club to foot um uh the once in future impact I'm going to call them from now on actual foot 
in their badge if they change their badge again and it involves an actual drawing of a foot then i will i will at least humor them at that point uh but currently <laughs> there's still the impact to my mind and also and I, i'm we're going into this aside but also like they got rid of the stripes now they're just a black jersey with blue highlights yeah don't or, get me started the yeah. the best thing That's about a- the impact was the they should the black have kept and white this- or black and blue stripes they, you they took them entirely there. too long to own that look yes. and then they did and it was perfect and then they got rid of it for reasons passing well, understanding well no adam it's because when you rebrand what happens is you get instant success every time the bar goes or the the chart goes up and to the right uh and that's stop things yeah and so they rebranded just so ask the chicago fire how it went yeah great success for them everyone remembers how that <laughs> uh was a the, the arrow went up in, in, a, in a dramatic fashion hey, and it, it allows them to reset their relationship with supporters. <laughs> Not in a good way, but I guess it did. A staggering series of failures. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, don't don't let that third round draft status fool you into thinking this is someone that was maybe not that that big of a deal. Um, and because it's been five years, I think you yeah. you hold on to those rights for two seasons. Uh, draft rights. But oh, yeah, we yeah, see yeah, a lot of not, times in MLS that like people go abroad and get better like right. outside of dave casper and a couple other uh, uh mls institutions they're not good at evaluating draft talent so I, i'm not worried about what a five-year-old draft has to say about this player that's right. a good way to look at it yeah uh dc united though not gonna have to pay any garber bucks or any other league assets for his rights because draft rights expire again i think after two years um, unlike homegrown rights or player contra- players who sign contract rights. Uh, or discovery rights. rights. Yeah. Well, discovery rights expire, I think, every year, and you have to you know, resubmit your dibs list. You have to prove that you're going to make a move or you have to give them up for the $50,000. Or, or, or the allocation option. order, which never expires. No, it that gets reset, reset every year. To, and, and still they, well, but the people on the list don't expire unless until MLS decides in their uh, uh, royal powers to right. just kick you off the list because yeah, you're no longer the, the allocation a notable player enough list. player. Correct. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's move on. Um, we don't need to get further into the weeds on weird yes, we MLS do. esoteria. Um, DC United is reportedly pursuing 23-year-old Curacao International, Nigel Roberta. Uh, as a young DP, he's a forward, um, and that's that's about what I know about him. I don't. I, I have Bulgaria not had a chance to. Levski yeah, he, Sofia, which is one of the. I think there. I think Sofia, the capital of Bulgaria, has most mm-hmm. of their teams. It's it's that kind of situation. Right. Um, I think it also has most of the people in Bulgaria. Most likely. Um, yeah, I have I have no particular opinion either way about about this particular player. Uh, it seems like he was doing well in the 2019-20 season and then doing a little less well in the 2021 season. But all, all I like that they need to sign another striker and. Hernan Losada said on this podcast that they want to sign another striker. So even if this one isn't the one that they sign, it's good that they are continuing to look and continuing to investigate options because they know they need something like uh, hopefully Ola Kamara bounces back and has a really great season this year, which I think all of us, at least on this podcast, believe that he can, but Regardless, they need more support behind him, uh, even if he does have that great season. And again, it may not be this guy, but hopefully they continue to look and continue to find and and make that signing sometime during this offseason. First of all, I have an important update. Uh, There are five Sofia-based clubs in the Bulgarian first division (laughs) out of 14. Um, So it's not the ratio that I thought. Um, but it is still a lot of them. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I, I, I did some, uh, there's not a lot of data. I tried more than normal to find some stuff on, um, Roberta because, you know, the Bulgarian league, it just, it's not a league that MLS goes to very often. So we don't have a big track record of 
so, okay, so this guy came here and did well, this guy did badly. Um, it's kind of a blank slate. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I looked at three very surface level places and they all had different assist totals uh, for um, his. That's bad. Right. So there was six, five and zero. And so I think the one the one outlet that had zero just wasn't counting assists. Um, I think is it's more likely that they just weren't counting them than it was that they missed uh, there. There's five or six discrepancies. Um and I looked up Smarter Scout, which is actually run by Dan Altman, who at one point was a consultant with DC United doing data um, and helping them scout players. Um, but unfortunately, Smarter Scout, despite having a really deep database, um, doesn't have the Bulgarian League. It has the Europa League, which Levski Sofia did play in. And so uh, Roberta has 94 minutes of playing time from that. But 94 minutes is not a good indicator of what kind of player he is, especially if you know, if they were in a qualifier to get into the tournament and playing against a team that was better than them, a forward's not really going to give you their normal playing style if they're playing on a, you know, low block and getting 10 touches all game. Um, so it's really hard to say exactly what's going on. Um, I did try and ask around. I heard a couple things that were like, well, he doesn't seem bad, but the data maybe points to a player that you wouldn't want to pursue uh, for a young designated player spot. Um, so maybe and he's 23. Little... So he's coming yeah. in just under the wire for that young designate, right? That young DP and not, slot. And not the young, this is not the young money rule. This, right. This, this is, is not the, the under 22 uh, young right. money. This is the, the older. Too the, old the, for. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that kind of brings me to uh, my point, which is like to contrast this with the Eric Sorga move. Um, Sorga was about half a million but he's age 20 breaking through with his national team um roberta is we, we keep saying curacao he's dutch born and is eligible to play for curacao uh, i okay. couldn't find me and ryan Kiefer both didn't see anything indicating that he had so much as accepted a call up and when you get to smaller national teams sometimes what happens is that people that are very excited about their smaller national team getting that player will say like yeah he's one of ours and it's like well he hasn't accepted a call up yet. It, it, it's not actually a settled question. Um, I don't think he's sitting around holding out hope that he's going to play for the Netherlands. Um, but I don't know. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to oversell his international involvement. Maybe he's just a guy that never bothers playing international soccer. Um, but what I will say is that the key here is that Sorka is half a million dollars for a 20 year old, um, not one, 1.2, somewhere in there million for a 23 year old those three years are a big deal um transfer yeah. fee wise and i mean putting aside the mls uh bureaucracy it's just it's a different indicator when you get to be 23 the european scouts are close to the edge of where they're gonna be like well that guy's just the finished product already like the the development range is done um and i will say that there is you know ryan to his credit found a few links um putting him towards interest from Dynamo Zagreb uh, and I'm forgetting the other club. Um, I will say there's one connection between him and Sorgo, which is that uh, Roberta came through at Feyenoord, which is one of the teams competing for Sorgo um, with DC. Um, so maybe that's some sort of friendly link between two club uh, front offices where they chat and uh, hear some things, or maybe it's the same agent. I don't know, but um, there's something maybe there once you start, I mean, or it could just be me reading a pattern into a, two data points, which might be just, you know, pretty foolish. But, um, what I will say is that it, it strikes me as a move that's in between not knowing anything, just looking at a, a player's profile and not knowing actually anything about them. Um, it strikes me as an in-between move where you're maybe buying him at the peak of his value rather than maybe on the discount. Uh, or on the up, you're buying at the top of the bell curve, which is not the best plan. Um, and at an age where, you know, normally you're either buying the finished product at 26 or 27. Uh, and this is a player you're bringing in to be a starter um, as a designated player, or you're buying someone in Sorga's age range where it's someone that potential. you think is going to get there. This is that in-between range. And it's a little bit of an iffier prospect. Um, so, if, you know, maybe Lozada, for whatever reason, 
scouted him or knows someone that scouted him or or knows someone that ended up coaching in Bulgaria. I don't know. Um, if there's a if the coaching staff is like this is this guy would be perfect for us, and they make that case, then you know that would be more interesting to me. Um, as it is, it's like well we need a forward, but uh, you know I would well, prefer younger, higher potential or you know, this is the guy we're bringing in to score 20 goals, but this is kind of well, not either of those. And then the, and the latest rumors are that maybe he doesn't want to come to the United States at all. Maybe he yeah, just wants to stay in Europe and get a move, get a move within Europe or just stay where he currently is. So uh, this one is looking uh, uh, shaky from both sides at this current moment. We should, we should take pains to, um, credit i'm trying to bring up the guy's twitter account because i've forgotten his actual name i want to give oh, who, yeah who reported uh, that correct credit um now i'm not finding it this is great podcasting um uh, yeah i'm not oh um metody shubanov uh at shumansku um who is doing english yes. language bulgarian soccer reporting um yeah, he, he is he is the person that reported both the rumor and then what Ben is referring to, which is that Roberta isn't necessarily super into moving to MLS. He'd rather stay in Europe. So, um, and also his reporting is that in Bulgaria they're saying that it was a proposed loan, which makes more sense for DC. Um, yeah. I get that more because then that's a like, well, if he gets here and he isn't a um, amazing success, then you know, no harm, no foul. Um, but I can see why he and Levski Sofia would be like, yeah, that doesn't do it for us. Like we, we, we don't want a small loan fee to, to lose at, you know, a starter for, for Sofia there. They'd be like, hold on a second. This guy is a regular for us. We're not just going to give him up. Um, and for Roberta, that's, that means he's essentially, it's an extended trial. Um, so I can see why DC would propose it. I can also see why the other side would be like, ah, that doesn't do it for me. So this right. whole thing might be a little flash in the pan. And if it is, you know, at least my preference for DC would be either fully commit to saying, you know, Kamara, we're going to, we're bringing in a guy that's going to push Kamara to second choice uh, potentially, or commit to another sort and don't commit to a player exactly like Sorga because you already have Eric Sorga, but um, another U20 type player with that, high upside. Yeah. That, that young money range. Why don't we go after one of those or maybe three because you can use up to three and, uh, that's well they are reporting like or are there reports of dc united pursuing anyone under the young money rule at this point yeah no nothing yet i I think trying to will it into existence Yeah, if you're an mls team and you are not making use of this rule you are doing a bad job Um, yeah I i mean i would hope that at least they are investigating it and i hope they uh do better than just investigating it and really find someone to sign under that. Cause the, the terms are really advantageous. It like, it's almost just worth it to just pull just, just to go for one. And, and, and if it fails, then it fails, but it's like, it's better to try on somebody with high upside and have it fail than to not try at all. Yeah. I, I agree completely. And more bodies are good and more yeah, bodies. As we learned more, last, as more... We... As we all yelled about on this podcast last year, you have to sign players to have a good soccer team. Yeah, and you know Dave Casper loves using um, the the various Byzantine budget mechanisms, and this is a big one. You get a player for a fraction of the the budget hit, uh, and and acquisition costs don't matter at all, uh, which is a very weird position for for MLS. It's new. It's a it's a new exciting thing. Um, Speaking of new, ex- new and exciting uh, update on DC United's draft picks, uh, they have signed defender Mike DeShields, who they picked with the fifth overall pick in the Super Draft last month. Uh, and the team is reportedly, again, uh, per Stephen Goff of the Washington Post, reportedly close to a deal with attacker Kamarni Smith uh, out of Clemson, uh, who will require an international spot on the roster uh, coming from England, but uh, the team took him fourth overall, and they they seem pretty excited to have him. Uh, versatile guy who can play up front, out wide, in number of spots. So uh, more bodies is good, and young bodies with high upside is good. 
and and that international spot uh right now dc has one open uh with helman rivas uh apparently signing in the iraqi league which if you want to be find something very fascinating about world soccer go ahead and do some research on the iraqi league it is a unsanctioned an unsanctioned league um some of the Salvadoran players who got banned for life by FIFA in the um, match-fixing scandal from a few years ago ended up playing for years there because it was the, I guess, the most lucrative league they could play in. Christian um, Castillo was there, right? Yeah, he was there for a while. I, I think he played into his 30s in that league. Um, but in any case, the international spot for Kim Arnie Smith is available. Um, so that's, you know, at least right away, I, I mean most likely if DC wants to make more moves, which we were just talking about how they should make more moves, um, they will need probably one more or they're going to need someone to get a green card, um, which who knows, you know, as much as we want to speculate on that, it's kind of a black hole in terms of information at this point. Um, But yeah, I wouldn't worry, you know, if they've got to make a trade at some point to acquire an international spot, it's not the most efficient thing in the world, but it's also, not that big of a deal. It's not going to hamper you. Um, so, Jason, yeah. Can I? Can I? Uh, like, uh, we all know these these transactions, but I just want to uh, remind our listeners about the three worst international spot trades in MLS history. I, I think I know them, but go ahead. I'm sure you do. Yeah. Uh, number three worst: uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps traded an allocation spot in 2010 or an international roster spot in 2010 for Santa Nyasi. Uh, it doesn't revert to them until 2031. Whew. 2031. And for, and for, for uh, the lesser of the Nyasis. <laughs> right. Uh, in 2009, the uh, uh, Houston Dynamo sold a international spot, roster spot forever to the New York Red Bulls for allocation money. How much? That was it before they were announcing say. it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was before they were announcing it. And apparently uh, the Red Bulls used that to sign Alec Dufty, goalkeeper. Oof, that, was, that guy was like their third choice goalkeeper for like a season. <laughs> maybe two that's, seasons, but did But not then play. they get to keep the slot, so. But that's a flex. Like, or that maybe they've we, traded it by now because it was 2009. But yes, it doesn't go back to Houston until never. And then the worst time. one, RSL traded a international roster spot in 2005 forever for Adolfo Gregorio. Forever. <laughs> forever. Forever. An eternal trade. Do you know how much time is in front of us? Who knows? It could be hundreds of years. Um, and Adolfo Gregorio really wasn't anything special at all. Uh, wasn't in that league that long. Never really even established uh, himself as a starter. According to Wikipedia, he played six games. Yeah, there you go. Just That's, a guy. on a, He was a decent college player. I remember that. But I also remember being like, well, because this was, I think this was one of the first international trade. Like you couldn't trade roster spots before that. Yeah. I, I don't right. think they let and you they, do it permanently anymore. No, no, no they, after that trade, someone was like, we have to prevent, we have to set a cap on this. Or after the Houston a very, one. a very tight cap because this is stupid. Um, and it was, it wasn't because uh, these vulture teams were taking advantage. It was just that there were some teams in the league that were genuinely too dumb to be stopped. <laughs> Um, and so someone had to get in their way and say, you can't do this to yourself. We won't allow it. Um, yep. And yeah, that's taking anyway. me back to my law school days and taking contracts law, which is entirely based around, you can't do this. It's too bad for you to, to allow you to do this. It's for your own protection. And, well, and for... I was just going to say, we have now, instead of lifelong eternal international roster plot trades we have dumb things like dc and portland always holding one another's international roster spots <laughs> right. just giving them you know handing one back with your right hand and then in your left hand receiving the one that you were owed uh and just nothing changes but i think it's changes. called day trading that, that oh is that, that's is that my just understanding day of day trading I, I think it's called game stonk this but is it's roster it, stonks we need what we need roster is stonks trading. Trading places too, but it's entirely about international roster spots in MLS. I don't think anybody would watch that. Uh, I, I think it's, it. It, 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 it's 
<laughs> we could have a filibuster film club. It's the blockchain, but for uh, MLS roster moves. All right, I'm going to stop this. I'm pulling the plug. <laughs> we are going to be right back with Russell Knaus, DC United midfielder. Please stick around. Please. I beg you. It's filibuster. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster welcome back to filibuster with the MLS preseason camp set to open in less than two weeks, we figured the time was right to talk to one of DC United's leaders on the field. So we are very well excited, happy, thrilled to welcome midfielder, realtor, union rep, and all-around good guy Russell Knaus to filibuster. Welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's good we're actually being able to have a conversation like this because it it means we're getting closer to start. <laughs> yes, we we are we are definitely excited and eager, um, champing at the bit to to watch you guys. Certainly, uh, we have a traditional question here. We got to ask you: What are you drinking? What am I drinking? Um, I'm drinking right now uh, water with uh, electrolytes. It's like this Mio um, Sport electrolyte thing, blueberry. Oh, nice! It's actually, really good. If anybody wants to go get it i'm doing a little advertisement here i use it a lot so there you go we're, we're all about buzz marketing we have to be <laughs> on a podcast i think uh you you keep the perfect streak of dc united coaches and players on this show it's always water when we have someone from the team on um so you've you've maintained the perfect streak that that nice. we've got going uh so how are you feeling at this point uh it's been a very long off season have you kept busy what what's going on right now yeah, it's been super long. Um, probably in we're almost going on four months now, which has been the longest time off I've ever had, unless it's been injury, obviously. But you know, from a off season perspective, it's been a while. But um, I'm good. I'm excited. Um, we've been, you know, this week it's been kind of optional uh, getting back into Audi Field. Um, we've been doing some testing and stuff and some conditioning work, but nothing official yet. So I'm. It's been good this week to get back in and, and get away from uh, the off season. Actually, feel like we're we're about to start, so I'm excited. I'm doing well though. Uh, Russ, I know the the last time we I think the last time you and I talked, it was right before uh, the start of the MLS's back tournament. Um, and you know, at that time, COVID was still kind of new to us, so it was still this very big uh, worry pretty frequently. And I know. Back then, you mentioned that your wife is in the healthcare industry. So I guess my first question is just like, how's it going? How has it been getting through this off season, still trying to stay safe and and keep your 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 mind in place? I know I've got the uh, isolation brain going, which isn't the best. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's been kind of, I'll say now it's more normal, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. been able to adapt and and get used to this new lifestyle i think humans actually like it's unbelievable how how well like we are able to adapt um when situations like this happen but for me i mean my wife she was able to get the vaccine um i don't think i ever you know had covid uh Mm. obviously i was always pretty careful during the season and even in off season um i didn't do too much i i spent a lot of time back home with family Mm-hmm. every every weekend but we we stayed local for the most part um 
my wife was lucky enough as a healthcare worker to get the vaccine, which is great. Um, so I think from that side, you know, we feel a bit relieved, but it's been, it was a tough year last year. Um, everything from COVID to obviously how our season turned out and, and mm-hmm. but we were lucky, you know, I, I felt lucky that we were able to play and, and get, get out in the field, even with all those things that happened. So the big story this this offseason was uh, going through the third collective bargaining agreement negotiation in, I think, a 12-month period after the league's owners invoked force majeure and, and threatened to lock you guys out. In the end, you know, you guys got to an agreement, uh, and the season's going to go on. You're one of DC United's representatives to the Players Association. What was going through your mind? What were your conversations with other players like during this whole ordeal? Yeah, it was a, a long, hard process. Um, obviously, being the player rep, there's a lot of constant communication with players individually, updating the team, trying to figure out where everyone's at personally. Um, it, it was honestly a good growth opportunity for me, too, as a person and a leader, um, you know, from a business perspective, obviously, but also just within the team, you know, getting to see how guys think about certain situations. Um you know, the CBA, this last negotiation was obviously something nobody wanted to negotiate. I don't think they're, you know, it's it's not a situation anybody wanted to have. Um, but it, it was it was a lot of a lot of constant communication. Gressel came on as a player rep and helped a lot with the uh, with it as well, which was helpful for for me because I had kind of taken that lead role within the team the last two, two years. So it's helpful to have um, someone to work with me on that, but I'm just, honestly, I'm glad it's, you know, finalized. Um, you know, I don't, I won't speak much on the deal itself, obviously, cause there's a lot of opinions that go into that, but um, I'm glad we're able to have a CBA uh, ratified, you know, or a CBA that we can look at this year and know we're going to get back to playing and have some start dates in mind that we can, we can look forward to as a, as a player and obviously as a team. Uh, Russell, I know from talking to Julian back when, you know, we, when media members could come to training, um, we got to talk to Julian right when he first arrived. And one of the first things he brought up was um, his interest in getting involved uh, with the, the, the players association. And like you just said, he was obviously, um, uh, a big factor for from the team's perspective, uh, helping you out uh, on that front. Um, what kind of a workload is that for you guys as far as the, you know, not just the time commitment, but the mental commitment on top of being professional soccer players and having the other things going on in your lives to have that on your plate as well? Yeah, it definitely is something that gets added in there. And, um, you know, we were in off season, so we we had a lot more time on our hands. But Obviously, as this process started to heat up, there was a lot of a lot of phone calls, a lot of you know nights where you have to hop on and you maybe don't want to. You're spending time with family, but you have to go on and and then also figure out the right time to then communicate that to the players. You know, finding out how much information you give just because you don't want to uh, scare guys into something that you know may not may or may not happen. You know, those mm. those conversations. You know, we Julian and I had a lot. Uh, a lot of time to talk about, but definitely, definitely is a bit of a workload, but it was good that this happened during off season. So now, now it's finalized moving into the the season. Obviously we dealt with it last year um, at the beginning and during the season a little bit. So it's good to have those, those things finalized now. Yeah. And, you know, turning to the field now, because that's that's what we really want to talk about with you. Um, obviously, D.C. United has a new head coach coming in with Hernan Losada. Uh, I, I believe he's had a chance to talk to everyone on the, the team at this point. How have your conversations with him been? Yeah, he yeah, he had a, he had time, obviously, to speak with everyone now um, this week. A couple guys who have been in have gotten to see him as well. So he's been able to you meet a couple guys in person now but I've had only positive um impressions of him you know I had a good conversation with him and I'm looking forward to it I think you know he's bringing something different uh different change of uh culture maybe style of play we'll we'll see I have we haven't really gotten to into much detail about you know 
style of play systems and all that, but I think that's going to be one of the first things he addresses next week as well as what he expects from, from the team. Um, so it's, it's cool. It's, you know, obviously everyone misses Ben and, and what he did for the club. Um, but I think it'll be also an interesting time here to see Hernan and how he, how he changes things uh, for the good and how that can translate to on the field as well. But I've had only positive conversations with him. He seems very nice. He has a, you know, a calming demeanor about him, which I think is really cool. Um, but he's also very detail-oriented, which is, which is awesome. Uh, I know, you know, thinking back on your career going, going to Germany, coming in as, as a new player there, um, and then coming back, uh, coming back to the U.S., joining D.C., being new here, um, that newness for a player, for a coach, it can create that kind of a, maybe like a, a positive tension that teams can tend to need a lot of the time. Um, what do you feel, uh, you know, now that with Hernan coming in, um, you've got a few new faces that have already been signed. Um, the You have a whole, you have a blank slate right now, whereas last year, it, it felt like last year took, you know, the season itself, there weren't that many games, but it also felt like the season lasted like three years. And now you get kind of a full reset. Do you feel like that's going to, um, you know, maybe spark a new dynamic within the group, you know, putting aside the the tactical situation? Yeah, I mean, I think you even saw it last year, just like a, a coaching change does provide a bit of uh, motivation and just intensity within the group, just because guys can't become complacent. You have to be working hard. You have to be putting everything out there in, in every training session game. And I think you saw that once Chad took over um, mm. and that was someone who was took over internally and, and you kind of saw the change within the team a bit. Um, and obviously the results came a little bit better then, but now looking at Hernan, it's a completely new, new coach. Um, I think that same situation applies to this as well, but it's also going to take a bit, a bit of time, obviously players getting to know new coach, new system of play, style of play, um, you know, guys who have played in that system before maybe can adjust a bit bit faster. But, um, yeah, it, it's definitely an exciting time. A lot of unknowns, but also at the same time, it, it's an exciting process. I think that everyone within the team should be looking forward to that. You know, guys have a, a good chance here to impress the coach and, and, and find a way into the team and, you know, be able to make this team better. Uh, it's something that that just occurred to me. Uh, Losada, obviously, he's he speaks a million different languages, but I think he he said recently that one of them that he's trying to learn is German. That's the next one on his list. Oh, so uh, I I don't know if you just want to go in and start speaking German at Adam, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'll that's the right that. call. But <laughs> uh, well, maybe I'll we'll, we'll have to ask you. Yeah. There you go. We'll have to ask you how that goes uh, next time we have you on the show. <laughs> Yeah, surprisingly, I mean, I, I haven't, I've been obviously away from Germany now three, three and a half years, August 2017 is when I signed with DC, but I haven't forgotten too much. You know, I still have conversations with Julian, but I'm not speaking it as much as I wish I would, you know, Julian and I, we speak English a lot of the time too. Um, but it's, I've been able to keep up with it, you know, and still, and still feel confident um, in the language. They're good. But I'll definitely test here, you know, Lasada's if he's practicing on what yeah. Duolingo or something. Maybe I'll have to <laughs> check that out. There you go. Have you have you had any I I know Julian and um Fabian Herbers just started their podcast. Um have you have you campaigned to have be on there as like a the third German speaker uh involved? Uh I don't know. I mean I <laughs> I'll be. I'll definitely make it maybe a guest appearance, but I'm not interested in keeping up with that all the time. I know yeah. Julian. He's he feels he's pretty excited about that and something he's super interested in. So I hope it goes well with him. I knew mm. I knew they were thinking about starting it for a while, but they finally pulled the trigger on on starting it. So it's pretty cool. Well, speaking from experience, it takes a certain masochistic kind of nerd to want to podcast all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. but it's popular. I mean, it it is it's <laughs> awesome. My wife is a big podcast fan. I'm slowly starting to get into it a bit more um, mm. with with the longer drives now. So. Oh yeah, 
uh, that commute is going to be once the the training center opens for real. That's going to be. Uh, I guess you're you're out closer to that now, but yeah, uh, I'm out closer. So now my commute's longer. But once it is built, then I'll be then I'll be good to go. And fall right back out. I, of podcast. I like living <laughs> close to the training facility, obviously, but this is a bit far for me now. <laughs> sure, I am I'm anti commuting. I, I try to commute by bike whenever possible. Um, I guess that that that's a transition into. Uh, you're, you're, I think, pretty famous uh, side hustle. Uh, you, you are a licensed realtor. Uh, are you still working on that right now, or is that kind of on the back burner? No, I mean, this offseason was really long, so I had a chance, obviously, to, you know, stay consistent with my, my workouts, but then in the afternoons, I was, you know, I had a little bit more time to focus in on that. Um, and, you know, my business partner, Jordan, he, you know, we were able to take it a step further this offseason, so definitely, I mean, it's not on the back burner, but it's also, even when I say like I'm working on it, it's not um, too much of a time commitment just because of, you know, the priorities. My job is soccer, right? Like anything real estate is just extra that I'm doing when I, you know, have time to relax at home and I'm recovering and stuff. And it's crazy how like everything shifted now that you can do everything over Zoom and online and mm. the you know, from a commercial real estate side, it's like you, these properties aren't even make sense anymore just because everyone realizes <laughs> the value of their home and stuff and working from home. So that's actually allowed me to shift and do a lot of this stuff from home too, um, even during the off season. So I'm, I'm involved obviously, but um, I'm excited for, for this soccer season to come back to be totally honest. It's been great having these four months to be able to work on some of that stuff, but I can't wait to get back to playing. We're going to have to put out the red breaking news banner. Soccer player wants to play soccer. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you don't, sometimes people forget that, right? Like, that's, yeah, that's my priority. Right. And it always will be until I'm done. It's just, this is something I'm passionate about now. And, you know, I've, it's been a great opportunity to make good connections and learn and educate myself while, uh, while still playing as well. Well, uh, I, you know, thinking of you, like we just talked about, you're you're you've moved out maybe towards where the training facility is going to be. Um, how much of a difference once that gets up and running? Um, how much of a difference do you think that's going to make to the team? Because I, I, you know, I've covered training in person. I, I know the grounds at RFK well, and it's it's a field next to a playground. There's not really anything else there, and it's not like yeah, you know, you guys are coming from the stadium in in vans because there isn't like a weight room or the massage tables or any of the prehab and, and post-training stuff. You got to go elsewhere to do all that stuff. So how much does that change uh, your day-to-day and also, you know, the, the ability to just be at your very best? Yeah, I, I do think it's huge. Um, I think the training facility is where everything starts. If you have a good foundation there, then it can help everything else. Um, like you said, it also makes everything easier. You know, you're when you can walk out out of the locker room and you know you can do your mobility and warm up stuff inside, and you go out and you're ready to go. It, it makes also from an injury perspective and injury prevention much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it'll just be nice. I mean, the times we trained at Audi Field where it felt like a training facility, it was it was great. Um, but then you get like obviously where you don't want to destroy the field and stuff, and it's it's not it's not possible all the time to have that, you know, as our, as our full-time spot. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited. Like you said, I moved out here already, which shows how excited I am. Um, I think this was a good time to do it because I didn't want to have to deal with any of the moving and, and all the renovation stuff um, during the season. So it was a good little project for me this off season, but I think the training facility is, is very important and it's going to be a, a great stepping stone for the club um, and the future of this club, just like Audi Field was. Well, we're looking forward to that future, and we're looking forward more immediately to seeing you back on the field. Uh, Russell, thank you for for coming on the show. Um, If you want to shout out any online uh, social media handles, uh, now's the time to do it. Online social media handles. Um, You have an Instagram or a Twitter, a TikTok? Yeah, I Oh yeah, I mean I'm not TikTok. I have one, but I haven't. I just have it to watch all the videos. I'm not, I'm not great at that stuff. But I 
have my active on, which is Russell Canals. So every every all my social media accounts are, are my name, Twitter and Instagram. So, but I'm mostly active on on Instagram. All right. Thanks again yeah. for coming on the show. Yes. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks again to to Russell Canals. You can find us at blackandredunited.com, uh, patreon.com slash filibuster. If you feel inclined to support us financially, we're always grateful for that. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. We really do read them all. We're pretty bad at responding, but we read them all. And that's what's important. We are pretty bad at responding. I think. I think that's what's important. Anyway, you can download, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. And please do drop a, a rating and especially a review. If you like the show, that's a good way to help us out. A better way to help us out is to just spread the word. Tell a friend about the show um, and how excited you are for the Hernan Losada era and what you've learned about it from listening to this year podcast. For Jason and Ben, thanking Russell Knauss one more time. I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Listen to Death Punk. <laughs>